The Naked DJs Podcast. Are they really naked? We know. They expose themselves every day just so they can bring you the best of music. They like to stick it out there for everyone to hear. You can hear their podcast on Anchor.fm, YouTube, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today I'm joined by special guest Alana Irving. Alana is born and raised in Nottingham, England. She is a economist as well as a contemporary fiction artist. Her book just came out in April, Abolish the Rose. So we're going to be talking about that. And talking about anything else that Alana wants to talk about that she has been working on or whatever she wants to talk about. So, Alana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Well, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm English, as you can tell from the accent. Um, I have always wanted to be a writer. Um, I think when I was about five, I told my mom I either wanted to be a story writer or a shopkeeper. And then I started school and I realized that to be a shopkeeper, I'd need maths. So I decided it was going to be story writing. Um, I currently live in Barcelona in Spain, uh, which is amazing. And yeah, I wrote this book a couple of years ago, actually. And then last year I decided I wasn't done with it. I tried you know, sending it off to traditional publishers and not got anywhere. And I was like, I'm not just going to put this one aside and move on to the next one like I normally do. I think I'm actually going to try something different. So I went with, um, they call themselves co-publishers, um, but it's, I mean, I think it's a, a form of self-publishing essentially. Um, and I thought it's a bit of a gamble and I don't really know what will come of it, but um, why not give it a go? So that's, that's how I got here. It's probably that hybrid publishing because I, I know they got the self-publishing, they got what a company does it, and they have hybrid publishing. Yeah, I mean, I think because the 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 place I went with, the author me, pays the upfront costs, so I, that's why I think it's more like self-publishing than traditional publishing. But yeah, it's there's sort of a sliding scale of different ways of going about it, I guess. Well, you, you you call this book contemporary slash literary fiction. So tell us what exactly that means. Um, that means I really struggle to put a genre label on it. Um, I mean, I think there are some books, obviously, that are really obviously genre, like fantasy, sci-fi, historical, crime, romance, whatever. And this doesn't really fit into any of those. It's a it's fiction, obviously, but it's just a story about a woman and her life and kind of explores some some issues and some barriers that she has uh, in, in how she views her life. Um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, if I had to give it a 
a genre description. It's like real life-ish, except obviously made up. Well, that's that's definitely pretty interesting. So, so why don't you tell us about who influenced you to start writing? Who are your authors that you look up to? I mean, so like I said, I, I started writing, you know, when I could hold a pen. And my first book was, I remember this, uh, called All About Sheep. And I think I must have just discovered Aesop's Fables because it was that kind of you know, explain like little stories to explain all the features of a sheep. So I think I have to give Aesop some credit there. Um, obviously, as I've got older and, and read more and written more, um, one of the writers that was really influential to me was John McGregor, um, who's an English writer. His first book, If Nobody Speaks of Remarkable Things, I thought was just beautiful. It was one of the first books I read where it wasn't just the story that captured me, but the way he wrote it, like his use of language was really, really lovely. Other authors, I'm very, I'm very into Philip Pullman, uh, his Dark Materials. I thought that was fantastic. There's a book by Jennifer Donnelly called A Gather of Light that I read when I was quite young and I keep going back to because I, I think it's really lovely. And I mean, I could, I could list a lot of authors that I like, but yeah, I think those are the ones that come to mind. Tell us about the, the what you do with the Euro Mediterranean Economist Association. You do a lot of important work there, and tell us about what made you want to do this work and and what it involves. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a long and winding story. So, um, the Euro Mediterranean Economist Association is a think tank essentially, and it produces uh, research on a variety of things. I actually work in the implementation of projects um, funded by the EU in the Southern Mediterranean. So tend to be um, economic development projects. We have one on entrepreneurship and uh, one on cultural and creative industries in the countries um, in the South of the Mediterranean. So North Africa and the Middle East. I got here, I mean, in 2016, I went to Cuba for the first time and got very interested in sort of politics and international relations. And I was in a, a job I wasn't very happy in. And eventually I quit and came to Barcelona to do a master's in international relations. And yeah, fell in love with the city and with the subject. And actually I graduated just as COVID hit. So it was quite difficult for me to find a job in this kind of um, topic. But yeah, I managed. I've been there for just over six months now. Um, and yeah, it's great. Well, tell us about some, some of your hobbies. You know, you mentioned a couple of your hobbies in your bio that you like to do. So tell us about how you got into them and why you enjoy them. Um, I think I have three great passions in life. One of them is obviously writing. One of them is travel, which has been tricky in the last couple of years. And one of them is dancing. And I discovered salsa dancing when I was in Cuba in 2016. And I just absolutely fell in love with it it's such a beautiful form of communication is the way I can describe it I, th I find it incredible that I can walk into a salsa club in a country I don't know talk to someone that I've never met maybe I don't even speak the same language but we can share this incredible dance together because we speak the same dance language and it's like a connection between you and your partner and the music and it's incredible 
So I love to dance. A um, couple of years later, uh, here in Barcelona, actually, I discovered swing dance as well. So I now dance Lindy Hop and Collegiate Shag. And it's it's just, I heard the phrase once, uh, soul-filling activities. There are soul-filling and soul-depleting activities, and dancing definitely fills my soul. So as far as travel, tell us about some of the places that you have been that, that are kind of exotic and that people want to go in some of the places that you would eventually like to go. Um, so I, after university, I spent um, almost a year in Sydney and then went traveling around Southeast Asia. So I did um, Malaysia, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, and Myanmar. Then <laughs> I got a job quit that after 18 months and went to South America. So started in Cuba again, and then um, Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador. Got another job, quit that again after 18 months. I seem to have a habit of doing this um, and went around Indonesia for a couple of months, which was incredible. Top of my list at the moment is India. I would absolutely love to go to India. I spent a summer teaching English in Nepal and it was amazing. I've, the people were just incredible, so lovely. So India's definitely going to be one of the next ones and also Colombia. Yeah, something about Latin America really speaks to me. And now that I speak Spanish, I feel like I have to go back there. Well, kind of tell us about your book. Tell, tell the listeners what they can expect when they read it and also where they can purchase it. It's not a happy book. I feel I have to say that. It's... I mean, it started off as a bit of an experiment. I came up with this event and then started to write a story about it. And it sort of turned into an exploration of what it means to have not wasted your life. Like what counts as a waste and what counts as not a waste and why? And is any of that really meaningful or do we just sort of put pressures on ourselves to achieve things that, you know, for no reason? Um, so it's a woman uh, recently retired and sort of looking back on her life. So it's this uh, four different um, time threads sort of interwoven. And um, I like to leave it kind of open to interpretation, whether she comes to terms with what happened, learns you know, to appreciate what she has had instead of what she might have missed out on. Yeah, I like... I like books where you can take the message you need to take from it. You know what I mean? Instead of black and white, this is what it says. Um, it's available on, on Amazon, um, paperback and Kindle. It's also available on Waterstone's website in the UK and Barnes and Noble in the US. Okay. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on that the listeners need to know about? Um, I'm actually dying to get back to the next book. I've kind of been spending all my time um, on publishing and promoting uh, Abolish the Rose, but I'm working on a book that's a retelling of a certain saga of Greek myth um, in a world where there's no gods and no magic. So it's, it's been really fun to write. I'm about halfway through it, and it's sort of um, about the women in this particular family. I felt that women in Greek myth tend to do things because gods make them, you know, 
because the gods are angry for some reason. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if these women could, you know, choose what they did? Um, and it's it's really fun because things like the Minotaur, how do you explain the Minotaur in a world with no magic? Um, so I'm very keen to get back to that and hopefully hopefully finish it at some point. Well, so we can keep up with you. So when you do finish it, give out the contact information, you know, if you have a website or social media links so we can stay connected with you. Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram at Alana Irving. Um, that's A-L-A-N-N-A-I-R-V-I-N-G. Um, Twitter at Alana underscore Irving and alanairving.com is the website. All right. So you guys be sure to go check out our book. Why don't you uh, close us out with some final thoughts? Maybe if you have any tips for any aspiring writers or just any final thoughts that you want to leave us with. Um, my favorite piece of life advice I got from um, a salsa teacher in Cuba. And he was talking about obviously being a, a follower and dancing salsa, but I really think it is good advice for life and he said all you have to do two things relax and keep moving and I've carried that with me ever since and every time things seem overwhelming or impossible or whatever just relax and keep moving everything will be fine absolutely listeners alanairving.com and I would like you to relax and keep moving and follow, rate, review, and share this episode to as many people as possible. Go check out that book, Abolish the Roles, and Android listeners. Go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Alana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Curtis. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, Stay focused on living the dream.